Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Zurich, Switzerland. I'm Nathan Fox, and with me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. Ben, how's it going? It's going good. It's raining here, but other than that, it's a good day. It's also raining emails, right? Because the results from June 2017 came out yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite a Any surprising uh, results from your students? Um, yeah. <clears throat> there, there were... Most people actually were kind of within, you know, the the typical range, a couple points. Uh, One student had a score that was a lot lower than expected. So, of course, my advice was to take it again and then try to figure out what happened. Um, Because when a score drops, you know, way below, six, seven points below your practice tests, something must have happened. And trying to figure that out and planning to take it again because it just doesn't make sense to go into the the application process, I think, with a score that's so much lower than your clear potential. So, but uh, other than that, yeah. Yeah, and you can still apply early even with a September LSAT score, right? We're saying before Halloween this year. So everybody still has one more bite at it uh, to apply early. That's going to make them still be able to apply early for all of the early decision programs uh, and also just to have their apps in early for for regular admissions. So there's kind of like no reason not to take it again in September if you got anything less than what you were hoping for on the June exam. Yeah, I agree. Um, today on the show, we are going to uh, hammer through a bunch of listener emails. We've been, um, I don't know, kind of catching up on our backlog of <laughs> emails. Thank you for sending so much mail to help at thinkinglsat.com. We really appreciate it. Um, e- I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, we have made it to episode 100, Ben. Did you ever think it was going to happen? Uh, I don't know if I actually ever even thought about it. So I guess the answer is no. Um, but you know, only until recently did I start thinking about, oh, I guess we're getting close to a hundred episodes. I mean, you've mentioned it before, but it's, I don't know. (laughs) We record this podcast, you know, and then it's like hit stop. And other than the emails we get, there's not a whole lot of thought that goes into this, right? (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, we do interact with the audience quite a lot because they email um, help at thinkinglsat.com quite a lot. They also email us individually. They tweet at us. They post on our website, which is thinkinglsat.com. Um, so we're always interacting with the audience. I guess it's it's also really unintended or unexpected that you know your students listen to it. My students listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people in law school <laughs> listen to it. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been surprisingly successful. Um, anything you've learned or anything that, uh, what, what are your hopes Ben, for the next 100 episodes? Oh, wow. Let's see if we can actually get there. Um, what are my hopes? Boy, again, you know, I just, I need to think about this more. What are your hopes? (laughs) I don't know. I just hope it keeps going. I mean, I hope the audience continues to grow. I, it's like, it really is. I love teaching LSAT, right? I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was kind of born it, ridiculous as it sounds. It feels like I, I was kind of born to do it. And I really enjoy thinking about it and talking about it. And it is as much as I love just being an LSAT 
teacher mm-hmm. and tutor and writer and all that stuff. I think the podcast is the most satisfying of anything that I do professionally. Mm. I, I think, um, you know, it's been as far as like the interaction with the audience is just amazing. I, I just, it makes people happy. You know, we get all these emails of people saying, Hey, you know, you made me laugh at work while I was supposed to be doing this boring report. And instead I'm listening to the podcast or I'm listening to the podcast at the same time. Or we get people that say, Hey, I improved my score by 15 points. And basically all I did was listen to all the back catalog of the thinking else at. And um, I don't know, those are, it's just awful satisfying for some, like you say, it doesn't cost us a whole hell of a lot to do it. Mm-hmm, right. We mm-hmm. pay an editor, we pay some hosting fees. Um, so, you know, there, there is a bit of a cost to it, but it's um, it reaches, you know, pretty far and wide. Um, we hear from people all over the world and all sorts of different people, younger people, older people. And I don't know, I just, it's awesome that we're able to uh, reach so many people who are, seemingly maybe they're just kissing our ass, but they're so uh, appreciative of the show. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very nice feedback. It's, and it's like you said, when someone does really well after listening to a ton of episodes and never contacting us, it's sort of strange to be like, Oh, I helped you. And I had no idea you existed, but I'm glad that I did. uh, And that we were able to give you some tips to do well on the test and that you took those tips and put them into action. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, there must be all kinds of people out there lurking. I mean, for every person that emails us, I'm sure there's a hundred who don't email us, mm-hmm. um, which is probably kind of a good thing because otherwise we would never be able to respond <laughs> to everything. I think so far, though, we have responded to every email that anyone ever sent us. Um, if you think that's not the case, please email us again and tell us because uh, we're sorry about that. We do try to respond to everybody, even if it doesn't make it onto the show. We definitely respond. Um I guess unless it's too batshit crazy, in which case we might both just decide to ignore it. Has that ever happened? I don't think it's happened that I can remember. Well, I'm reserving the right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reserving if you're the crazy, right sorry. We might yeah. not engage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, when I look back on 100 episodes is it's been awesome to get to know you, Ben, in as just, I mean, in a weird kind of a way, right? Like we've met face to face once Mm -hmm. and we, but we have also talked like every week or every other week for now, what is it? Three years, I think that we're going on. Yeah. Um, It's either three or four years. Yeah. I think it might be three years because we started it in the summertime. I remember we started it in June because it was right around the time of my sister's wedding. And but yeah, reaching a hundred episodes and having now we've had a hundred of these, you know, hour long or more conversations. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I just really appreciate all the time uh, you've put into it. We've been amazingly reliably consistent about actually getting together and doing it right. Yeah. We, the scheduling and everything has been surprisingly easy uh, because we just kind of do it. We both just sort of show up mm-hmm. at yeah. the appointed time. I mean, stuff gets in the way sometimes and we can't. But like right now, you know, you're at home and I'm in Europe and we're still able to pull it off. So it's just, uh, that's, that's amazing. And then I guess the other thing is just how much, I think I was talking about this last episode, so I'll shut up, but, um, how much I have learned about the LSAT as, you know, through these episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we're at least initially, especially we, uh, 
looked at the test differently and probably still do it to some extent just the, by the nature of our personalities. But I think that by kind of hearing your take on it so many times and me, you know, when I share my take, it's like we've kind of come to the middle ground on a lot of things, I think, and I feel better for it. Yeah. And I mean, we also just, I think both are exploring new territory together, right? Because we, we end up kicking it back and forth in ways that it's like, oh shit, I've just, neither of us have ever even made it, like never put it together, like really quite that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so that's, I think that is also, um, it's quite nice. And I, I guess if I had a hope for the next 100 episodes, I hope we get to episode 200 and I'm still feeling like, wow, you know, we did this and I actually learned a new trick, like some subtlety of the test or some interesting way to present it Mm -hmm. or or something like that. Yeah. Because I really do. I still, I mean, I end up saying your name all the time in my classes and with my students and stuff, I end up being like, well, you know, Ben thinks about it this way or on one of the episodes of the podcast, I hope you're listening to the podcast on one of the episodes (laughs) of the podcast, Ben formulated it this way. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I just, I really do hope that uh, that's still happening when episode 200 rolls around. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done the same for you, especially with the, uh, (laughs) my favorite is that, if, if for the necessary and sufficient assumption uh, questions, if uh, the answer help, makes you win, then that's sufficient. If it makes you lose, <laughs> then that's necessary. I tell people that all the time. So, if it, yeah, if, when it's false, yep. it makes mm-hmm. sense, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, what is it that? <laughs> no, no oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just fuck with you. Um, Okay. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's our, uh, that's our special episode number 100. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to re- return to the previously scheduled, uh, just going through all these listener emails. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can read the first one. It says, hello. Okay. I will do the fanboy thing right off the bat and say, I love the podcast and appreciate what you guys are doing for all of us. I have learned quite a bit though. I just recently started listening Uh, Here's my background, what I need help with. My name is Jordan. Don't care if you use it on the show. Okay. And I will be a senior at a small university in Wisconsin. I have a poor GPA, 2.75, due to goofing off in my early years and not focusing until my junior year. After deciding to go to law school, I got a 3.5 in my spring semester of junior year, though it was my largest and most difficult course load. I hope law schools will take this into account though I know it is most likely irrelevant. Due to this factor, I have become basically obsessed with scoring a high LSAT score to make up for my embarrassingly low GPA. Um, you want to tackle any of that? Um, I have a couple thoughts. I mean, I, so it's he's a he just finished the spring semester of his junior year, so he just had this good semester. Yep. Um, which means that he still has two more good semesters to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, my first bit of advice is no, an increasing grade trend absolutely does matter. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're up to a 2.75 now. It must've been even shittier before he got his 3.5 this last semester. Yeah. 
But now it's up to a 2.75. That seems like 3.0 is within striking distance when you've got a whole when one more year, right? I would think if he got a 4.0 this next year, he would get it up to a 3.0. Yeah. Seems likely. <clears throat> Whatever he um, gets it up to, though, what would be more valuable is the fact that he got a 3.5, then, you know, even higher, a 4.0 or something like that. Um he doesn't want this to turn into a one-hit wonder <laughs> right. semester. Yeah, right. But if he can go even well, higher, then, yeah, that's what they're going to be most concerned about because that's who you are when you go into law school. Right, yeah, right. Increasing grade trend is one of the really common reasons to write an addendum for your application. And um, you want to show evidence, and the best evidence you could possibly show would be a 4.0 during your senior year. Um, now I get it that a 4.0 is sometimes, you know, unreasonably difficult, but I think you want to get a 3.5 or a 3.75. Um, and yeah, you know, really bring that home. Not only will it help your overall GPA, but it'll also allow you to write that addendum, uh, to point the admissions folks to your increasing grade trend. Yeah. Uh, that said, yeah, you need an LSAT score. Uh, everybody needs the best LSAT score they can get. And especially you do. So let's go on. Um, it says having no guidance by counselors or professors. I began trying to teach myself the LSAT. I know now that my strategy is not conventional nor recommended yet. I believe I have been relatively successful with it. All right, let's hear it. Mm -hmm. I began with a baseline score of 150 in October of 2016. That's not a bad baseline score, by the way. 150 um, indicates that uh, Jordan has a has a decent amount of horsepower here, right? And some potential for the test. Yeah, yeah. After that, I sporadically took prep tests out of the LSAT Super Prep two until classes ended in the spring. I rarely looked at the explanations of why my answers were wrong, rather just looked at the questions to figure them out myself. Um, okay. I guess we call this an autodidact, but, um, I mean, I would think that the, I never have really looked at the explanations in the super prep two. I think they're probably not so great for teaching, but I bet they're pretty good, like logically sound. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering why Jordan is not sometimes looking at those explanations. He's got the book right in his hand. Yeah. Um, I would think, you know, you might let them. So I would review and, and then I would also look at that official explanation. I mean, that's the official explanation from the makers of the test. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, a couple months later, when classes ended, I began taking prep tests out of the LSAC prep test books and continued that same strategy of uh, self-reviewing. Out of prep tests 52 through 70, I have dropped below 160 once. That was a 158. And I've seen a high of 168. My average is 165. Wow. Okay. So already self-prepped uh, from a 150 to a 165. Awesome. My question after listening to the last podcast is whether it is smart to take an online course if I am taking the September 16th test. Is there enough time? Will I get enough out of it? I worry that because my scores vary so greatly that I am not truly understanding why I'm getting the correct answers when I get them like you guys so often speak about. 
Though I consistently score above 160, I would rather assure a great score because of my low GPA and great need for scholarships. Are either of your classes online? And are they doable in that short amount of time? Best, Jordan. Go ahead, Ben. Sure. So the answer to that last question is yes, both of our classes are also available online. And yes, they're doable in that short of time. Uh, In fact, a lot of people from my online class for the September LSAT just started even today. And I think someone who's already scoring in the mid-160s can work through the material faster than many people who are scoring lower, yet the plan is for those people, everyone, to try to get through most, if not all, of the class in preparation for the September LSAT. So I would I would definitely recommend an online class. Actually, I think that could be more valuable for the student because um, he could move through the material at his pace as opposed to maybe necessarily waiting you know, for the class to um, move slower, at least in some cases. And so, yeah, yep. it seems like a good fit. Yeah, I would say so too. Um, you know, averaging a 165 uh, is awesome. It also indicates that there's a lot of stuff about the test that you just don't understand. Yep. Um, your your inconsistency, you know, ranging between 158 and 168 also indicates that there are things that you don't understand. And so I'd almost be certain that he would get something out of my class or your class. Yeah. Um, Ben's website, by the way, is strategyprep.com. My website is foxlsat.com. You can find all the information about live classes, online classes, private tutoring. Everything is all on our websites. So please uh, go there if you have any questions about the services that we offer. Um, I think you make a good point, Ben, about he he's probably a better candidate for online because he's scoring a little bit higher and because he has a short amount of time. Um, because he, like you say, he could totally just skip stuff. Like if he got certain logical reasoning questions, right. And he doesn't really care to listen to an explanation, then he doesn't have to in a live class. You kind of have to sit through the program, right? There's no skip, button. yeah. Um, on the live classes, same thing with, uh, you know, if your weakness is in logic games, you could do Ben's online class and like, just do the game stuff. Yeah. Or if your weakness is just logical reasoning, you could like, just do the logical reasoning stuff in, in one of our online classes. And, um, you know, if you look at what Jordan's talking about here, he's talking about, I really need a great LSAT score because I have a shitty GPA. Furthermore, I have a great need for scholarships. Yeah. And so if you're going to pay, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, something less than a thousand dollars, let's say it's a thousand dollars. If you're going to pay a thousand dollars and if that thousand dollars ends up getting you four more LSAT points, I mean, I think there's potential that it could be a lot more than that, but if it gets you four more LSAT points, four more LSAT points can easily get you a hundred thousand dollars of scholarship money. Yeah. For the same school that you would have gotten into with uh, four points less or lower. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you would have been middle of the pack with a one sixty five, but now you're 
um, above the 75th percentile with your 169. And that four points made all the difference to you. And I, I do think that there is a big return on investment uh, possible there. So even with only a couple months, uh, yeah, I don't hesitate to recommend that Jordan do um, your class or my class or whatever. But I, I would just guess, yeah, I mean, if you have the option to get some help and if it's going to eventually possibly be free law school as a result, um, it, it seems like a kind of an easy no-brainer investment. Yeah, one one last thing I would say is that when people are scoring in this range and they take my online class, I'll tell them to focus on the things that they're struggling with most. This is what you were just saying. Yep. But also sure. I'll tell yep. them, hey, look, there's probably some things that you're not like fully grasping or implementing even in the sections that you're doing well. So for those videos and things that are related to those sections, um, watch them – time and a half or double time and then just slow down for things that are like, Oh wait, I hadn't thought about that. Let me review that and implement that. So they can sort of cover all those things, but cover them quickly and just focus on the videos that are most relevant. But still there's like videos that go over harder questions. And um, just by watching them fast, I think you can just make sure that you're thinking about it the right way and picking up little things that you're still not doing yet. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I guess the final thing I would say is that even if you don't all the way finish my class or, or your class, I, I don't know that there's such a thing as like really a hundred percent fully ever finishing LSAT prep anyway. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if, you know, I, my, my class is like covers 26 full LSAT tests and if you don't make it through every single one of those, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you can still get a lot out of it, even if you only did half of it. Like my, my class is a big resource and Ben's class is a big resource. And so I don't think you need to think about, well, I can't get anything out of it if I don't complete every single question. I mean, I just don't, that's not really how this works at all. So no, I agree hundred percent. And although I sound like a total LSAT dweeb, a class is neither necessary nor sufficient, right? Like completing the class is not going to be sufficient to like guarantee your success. At the same time, completing the class is not necessary for your success. It's really like getting in, getting the most out of it that you can, focusing on your weaknesses and improving from there, you know? And that's, that's, your, that's the best use of your time. Yeah, it's not necessary because some people just score 170s like right off the bat without any prep at all. Yep. And it's not sufficient because some people are never going to score above 140 no matter what they do. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but just because it's not necessary and not sufficient, um, that doesn't mean it can't nonetheless strengthen your uh, LSAT argument. <laughs> I'm stretching. I'm stretching. No, I like it. We got we got the necessary assumption question in there, sufficient assumption question in there, and the strengthen right in the middle. And that's where the class fits. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, anything else for Jordan? Nope. All right. Why don't you go ahead and read the next one? Sure. 
Hi, Nathan and Ben. Just started listening to the show, so I'm not sure if this question has been asked, answered before. I'm just going to shoot anyway. Okay. I've been seriously studying since about March, and I have not made much improvement. My scores have been stuck in the 165 to 169 range for three months. I can I can hear other listeners already going, who cares? <laughs> yeah, the tiny violin. <laughs> wow. That's a great thing to be whining about. Good problem to have. Yeah, okay. good problem. This wouldn't be a problem if my scores were trending upwards, more consistent 168, 169, for example, but they oscillate unpredictably within that range. It's just not a very big range. So, <laughs> No, that's like a super narrow range. I mean, that's almost the narrowest range I've ever heard anyone report. Yeah. So oscillating unpredictably between 165 and 169, I mean, what is that? Like five questions? Yeah. Six questions, maybe? Uh, that's that's actually very, very consistent results. Yep. I would call you a 167 plus or minus two. <laughs> and that's a very tiny, that's a really narrow range. So your scores are very consistent Yeah, uh, between 165 and 169. Okay. So then uh, I've been repeating prep tests for games and using seven sages blind review method for reading comp and logical reasoning. Um, all right. Uh, what do you suggest for students stuck in that range? How do I trend upwards and break 170? The episodes I've listened to have been great. Looking forward to tuning in for the next few months. All right. Hey, Julie, she said we could use her name. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited when this happens because it's so rare. Me too. Anyways, Julie, uh, I would keep going. That's <laughs> my main suggestion. And make sure that you... It says, you said that you're doing blind review, seven sages blind review. In other words, you're reviewing the questions before you look up the right answers, which is good. I would want to know how that's going. Are you – Are you? Uh, okay, so first of all, you finish a section and I think seven sage actually suggests to go back and go over every question in the entire right. section, which I feel is overkill. Yeah, seems dumb to me. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to do what we usually suggest, and that is to go back to the questions that you weren't sure about, um, how many of those are you getting wrong uh, initially? How many of those uh, that you initially got wrong are you now correcting and getting them right before you look up the right answer? Right. Let, let's say there were five questions that you reviewed and um, you – kept your original answer on two of them, changed your answer on three of them. Um, <clears throat> did you now get them all right or are you still getting them wrong after the test is over and you're doing this blind review? If so, why? Because you have all the time in the world. You can think about every answer choice. Um, you could even go to bed if you want to and wake up the next morning and be like, okay, this is what I think about it. Um, it's a little crazy, but uh, it's really forcing yourself to get into what each sentence is saying in the passage and in the answer choices, and can you, you know, get them right untimed? If not, then, you know, there's probably maybe you need to push yourself a little bit harder there if you're still getting them wrong untimed. Uh, the other question I would have is how many questions are you blindsided by? In other words, 
Like, let's say that there were five questions you weren't sure about, and so you went back and you reviewed those. And then when you actually graded the section, you're like, holy cow, I got question 13 wrong. I thought that I got it right. I had no qualms with that question. And lo and behold, um, I got it wrong. Why'd you get it wrong? And what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's... a solid way to be reviewing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People, a lot of times, Oh, they retry it one time and then they miss it again. And then they look at the answer and then they justify it to themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's almost as bad as not blind reviewing it in the first place. Yeah. Cause you're not really thinking about why you picked the wrong answer and why you didn't pick the right answer and how you can avoid that mistake in the future. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say about Julie's specific case is that she does seem like an awfully good candidate for private tutoring. Yeah, given where she's scoring. I mean, I think private tutoring, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I haven't like seen you do private tutoring, but the way I do private tutoring I especially like private tutoring with people who are scoring like high one sixties or one seventies. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it's the most appropriate is when you're scoring high one sixties, low one seventies. Yeah. I think you, you can get the most out of it um, when you're already at that point. Um, also, I frequently think about tutoring as like the reason you do it is to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And she's specifically asking, Hey, I'm stuck in this range. How do I get unstuck? Well, I'd be surprised if we did one private tutoring session, I would be surprised if she didn't, you know, have a few moments where, Oh, wow. I, right. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> cause it sounds like she's just, you know, really kind of self studying. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, not to be too self-serving and make this too much of a commercial, but she does seem like Jordan seems like a particularly good candidate for an online class. And Julie seems like a particularly good candidate for one or two private tutoring sessions and see how it goes. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, for the next hundred episodes, we're just going to tell you what to do that will give us more money. That's the plan. Yeah, we're just going to give you a link directly. We didn't do to that enough before. So now we're just every PayPal. every email will be twisted into some <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it is funny though, right? Cuz we still get the like Jordan's email going like are either of your classes online? <laughs> it's yeah. like fuck. Oh my god. What are we doing? <laughs> All right. We are in business, guys, and uh we would love to do business with you. Yep. So, anyway. Um okay. Next email. Hey, can we hold it's, on one uh, second? Sorry, I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. Sure, no problem. Oh, sorry about that. <clears throat> no worries. The dog got out, and she's like 110 pounds, so she just makes noise everywhere she goes. She just bumps into things, and like <laughs> it's impossible not to hear her. So. How long have you had a dog? Uh, six months. Okay. How's that going so far? Uh, well, I don't uh, take a lot of responsibility for the dog, so it's not that bad. When anything happens, I just say, hey, uh, someone do this thing. Go 
do. I think we talked about this before, maybe right around the time when you first got the dog, you still do not sound like you're a big uh, convert to the dog ownership life. And no, no. Uh, part of the problem is the uh, intelligence level of dogs is lower than ours. <laughs> <laughs> but my dog's so smart, Ben. <laughs> Wait, you don't have a dog, do you? Fuck no, I don't have a dog. I don't want a dog. No way I have a dog. I mean, I like other people's dogs sometimes. There are people's dogs that I do really enjoy, but I do not want that thing. No, I do not want a dog. Not at all. Yeah. So anyways, when I, it's, uh, it's just really, yeah, it's, I'm just, whatever. I'm just putting up with it. So. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Um, Dude, I'm glancing right now at the uh, games from Prep Test 81. Yeah. Dude, they're so easy. Oh. They're so easy. They're so easy and they're so predictable. Wow. <clears throat> All you who took the June 2017 test, that is an easy set of games. Um, so lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only looked at them for like a couple of minutes, but. God damn it. Those look, they look very like with all the noise about, Ooh, boy, they're coming with all these new curveballs these days. Um, not on that one. They didn't <laughs> on that one. It was like just straight up fastball from like 2005, just like the same shit over and over. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how they decide that. I don't know what they're doing. I don't even know how, closely they're really even thinking about it (laughs) but they make some of the tests the games are much more well they're just different right not that they're really that hard but some of the tests just have these like oh wow they actually came up with something new and then some of the tests are like oh well we just repeated the exact same shit we've been doing for the last 20 years and if you've done all the tests boy if you had done all of the tests like prep tests you know 50 and beyond or 40 and beyond. If you had done all the games, yeah. Um, then prep test 81 was going to be super easy or at least the games. I don't know about the rest of it, but the games for sure were easy. I wonder if the small team that works on these games is like, Hey, did we come up with a, an unusual game this round? And they're like, yeah, but it, it failed the experimental uh, testing process. Shoot, well, we got to get one in there now for the June test. What do we got? We don't got anything, boss. And so then they just like put in, you know, another standard Epis- test. And they're like, oh, well, it's all we got. Go. Publish. Episode 100 is the debut of Ben's um, LSAC voice. Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> the makers of the test. I've, I've used this LSAC voice before. Um, oh, you have? Yeah, but not I on the it. not on the podcast, maybe. So. Uh, My bad, but I also imagine them okay. when they like write questions that um, you know logical reasoning questions that someone used the word always, and then someone else who's like in some boardroom or something with a cigar usually that's my that's the image in my head at least um, <laughs> is like hey why'd you use always that's that's too easy change it to invariably people don't know invariably <laughs> as well <laughs> so that's what I imagine. I'm sure it's much less glamorous. Oh, excellent. So like, yeah, we got the smoky back room with a cigar. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> Why are you using always? That's such an amateur word. <laughs> Anyways. Wow. 
Okay, love it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> all right, this next email. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we finally, geez, this one's been on the agenda for weeks. We finally get around um, to Mark from Utah. Hey, guys, love the podcast. I had a specific question for you. I'm getting married at the end of August and still want to take the LSAT in September. I took the LSAT in June and haven't gotten my score back yet. Well, now he has, but he hasn't sent us an update. Thanks a lot, Mark. Yeah, really. Should we read anyway, his email? <laughs> let's see if he says anything interesting. However, I only studied for a few weeks prior to the June test and raised my average from 155 to around 164. I'm motivated currently to continue on my improvements on the test, but is it smart to do the September test when I'm going to be extremely busy for the last few weeks of August? Should I plan for the December 2017 test instead? Any advice would help best. Mark from Utah. So I remember uh, punting on this question and just asking him where he was getting married, whether he was where he was going on a honeymoon and whether his in-laws like him. And he said that he's getting married in California his honeymoon is to be decided. And at least according to Mark, his in-laws like him. So, um, oh, and then you asked him, why are you getting married? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was my question. Yep. And he says, I finally found a girl who claims to find me attractive. Can't pass this up. It may never happen again. Ha ha. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Well, congratulations, Mark on the, um, upcoming wedding. Um, I say, yeah, take it in September. Yeah. As long as you're, uh, feeling good before you go into your marriage ceremony, honeymoon, yada, yada. Uh, I don't see why a couple weeks later things would be any different and you could just continue to study for those last two weeks that's plenty of time to quote get back into things. Not that you really even need to. Um, so as long as you do your preparation now and start getting ready and make the most progress you can make, I don't see why he can't do well in September. Yeah, I think people overestimate how much time per day is really required. And okay, I I don't know how much time does it take to get married, really. When you're the groom, how much time does it really take? Oh, he, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that's the thing is you can just sit down and do a game for 15 minutes, and that's going to push your your progress along, even though it didn't take you that much time. I mean, you have time to eat breakfast, right? You have time to shake people's hands. Yeah, you can do a game. Yeah, I mean, while she's telling you, you know, all the options for like the different colors of the flowers and the different you know, menu options that you might be able to have, which, you know, is not your decision anyway. You just have to listen to her, give you all the options. Yeah. You could maybe just be like secretly doing some logical reasoning over on the side. I I don't know how uh easy it would be to to Uh do it secretly, but yeah, I agree. This is where you can start to learn, Mark, the, the subtle art of delegation, um, but at the same time seem interested in the outcome, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I think I think what you decide would make the most sense. I, I really trust your opinion on this one. I am concerned about the color, but I also 
I also trust you a lot, which is why we're getting married. I agree with you that this is an important and difficult challenge. <laughs> yeah. And I would love to help, but I just have to defer to your judgment again on this one because you're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, he's already prepared for the test once. Uh, he already raised his average from 155 to 164. He's in a good spot. I don't know what he got on June. doesn't really matter. Um, if he's not happy with it or if he thinks he can do better, I would just go ahead and sign up for September. And yeah, okay, you're not going to get that much done in the last few weeks of August, but you don't need to do that much. I think you don't need to do 30 hours a week. Yeah, You, you can totally get – and that's – that's like flies in the face of a lot of, if you, if you like look on uh, top law schools forums or, <clears throat> you know, whatever, if you're in a test master's class or something, um, they say, you know, they give you this just mountain of homework and it's like, it's overwhelming to a lot of students to do all this work. Yeah. Okay. Great. Do all the work is awesome, but it's certainly not necessary. Yeah. And I think if you just chip away at it, you know, you do one section a day or, or, or even less. Yeah. I mean, just a logic game here, a couple logical reasoning questions there. I would think you could at least stay sharp and probably keep making forward progress. So yeah, I have a hard time saying why he wouldn't just go ahead and sign up because, especially because it's a retake. If this was his first prep, I would maybe have different advice, but on a retake, I think it makes a lot more sense. Even then I'd probably say, Hey, look, sign up. So you have the option and then withdraw if you're not ready. Yeah, or if you're just not feeling it, if the wedding doesn't go as planned, or <laughs> you're in trouble for whatever stupid things you did. Ooh, yeah, if you're devastated and heartbroken. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, th- that, that is a valid play to, to register, give yourself the option, and then just withdraw at the last minute if you're not, if you're not really fully prepped. Yep. I think go for it. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, please do send us an update on your June test and uh, we'll take it from there. Cool. Go ahead. Hello, friends. Wow. She, uh, Katie, I hope she doesn't mind us using her email, uh, considers us friends. I had a question I wanted to ask you about some quirky things that are happening in my practice tests. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, from my last practice test, I had minus 4 LR, minus 4 RC, and minus 9. I can't remember exactly, but it was bad. On Logic Games. Um, that's okay. Those, that's precise enough. Uh, basically having skipped the last two games. Wow, minus nine for skipping the last two games is pretty, pretty good. The weird thing about this is just that all four LR questions that I missed were from the first section and none from the second section. Okay, stop right there. That is not weird that's not hugely different um we get this question all the time right someone gets minus eight or minus nine in one lr and they get minus three in the other lr they've only taken one lsat i'm not saying this is true for katie but they've taken only one lsat and they're like wow was the was the first section so much harder than the second section or was i just not getting into the test yet uh, as you often say, they're just reading way too much uh, into nothing. Yeah, it's small samples. I mean, she goes on to say this is a really consistent phenomenon for me where I miss more questions in the first section than in the second. Yeah. 
And, but we don't know how many prep tests that was. And if it were five prep tests, I would be really unimpressed with the data, right? I would, I would just say, oh, that happened five times. So what? That's, it's not hard to flip heads five times in a row. Yeah. I mean, if it were really minus four and then minus zero on like 10 tests, uh, yeah, yeah. Then mm-hmm. even then, I'd still be like, okay, I guess maybe you're trying to be maybe Miss Perfect in the first section, and that's forcing you to either go too slow or go too fast or something in an effort to do everything perfectly. And then by the time you get to the second section, you're more relaxed and therefore do it at the right pace. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I can think of. If it's that consistent. Yeah. We also get it in the opposite direction, right? I mean, people think that they do better on the first section and worse on the second section. I I just, I think everybody's reading too much into too small of samples. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really think that she needs to worry about this. I mean, (laughs) by the way, if you go on, her next sentence is going to reinforce our hypothesis. Okay. Um, also, in reading comprehension, I missed questions 6 and 7 and then 13 and 14, and it's also a pattern that I missed multiple in a row when doing RC. She says, I know you both would say that you should never get questions wrong that early in a section. Wait, 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 wait. We don't say that you should never get questions wrong that early in a section. Right? No, no. I mean, <clears throat> I, you do want to be really um, critical of your mistakes that you make early in the section. Those questions are probably easier. And so you probably should not be missing very many early in the section. But I'm looking for like nine out of the first 10 and 13 out of the first 15. So, you know, if she missed six, seven, 13 and 14, she's slightly off. Like, I think she's missing too many questions early in the section. Yeah. But I don't know that she's like, it's not like a disaster that any one of those individually were missed. I also look at what she's doing here. She's looking at one test yeah, saying I missed six and seven and then 13, 14. And that's also a pattern that I missed multiple in a row. Well, again, it's like if you were to flip, you know, flip heads and flip a coin 10 times in a row, like you're going to see these weird streaks in there. Yep. You're going to be like, well, it's a pattern that every time I always get four tails in a row. It's, it's just not very hard to do that. Yeah. It's almost unlikely that you wouldn't do that. Right? It's not, you're not going to get heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails. If you, if you flip 10 times in a row, of course, you're going to get a couple heads in a row or a couple tails in a row. And so, yeah, I just think this is, again, I understand where it comes from. People are really invested in their results. They justifiably want to do very well, but I think you're just looking too, too close at too few data points and you're finding patterns where they don't exist. And instead, I think you need to be looking at these individual questions. Like let's talk about question number six. Yeah. Why did you miss that one? That's exactly what I was going to actually say next. I mean, she goes on to say, I looked at the question types and there's no pattern in that, that they're all XYZ or ABC type of question. I agree with that completely. That is the norm. Most people don't have a question type in particular that's giving them trouble. 
what they have trouble with is something inside the question itself. Either they're not taking the time to identify the conclusion or they're not taking time to recognize um, what's wrong with the argument or uh, they have some misunderstanding about what premises actually are and that you have to just accept them as true or something like that. Like that's the underlying pattern that I would be looking for. Sometimes I'm working with a student one-on-one and it's like they misidentify the conclusion in a, in a weakened question and then they get the question wrong because they're ultimately trying to weaken like a premise or something. And then uh, we figured that out and we talk about, oh, what the conclusion is and how it's significant and how it's up for debate and yada, yada. Then we go on to another question, totally different question type. It might even be in reading comprehension <laughs> and, um, you know, or, or just whatever. And we're talking about it again. And it's like, wait, you didn't think about the conclusion in the same way you didn't think about the conclusion in the last question we did, which is a totally different question type, but that's the underlying problem and pattern. And so when you're looking to the number you got wrong in a section, when you're looking to where you got them wrong, um, you're looking, and when you're looking to the question type, you're almost always looking at the wrong thing or you're searching for a pattern in the wrong place because even if there is a pattern there it doesn't really matter what matters is the substance and the content of the question and how you're going about evaluating that question yeah absolutely i <clears throat> i mean i guess it goes double for reading comprehension because those question types anyway are almost all must be trues so if you miss two in a row on reading comp it's probably there, there must be trues anyway. 90% of the questions on reading cover must be trues, but people love looking for patterns and they love thinking like, I'm going to try to analyze why I suck at this particular type of question. I think you should maybe actually just focus more on each individual mistake <laughs> because you can learn, like you're just exactly what you said, Ben, if you misidentified the conclusion on a weekend question, well, your problem then is misidentifying the conclusion. It's not with weakened questions. And if you can recognize that you misidentified the conclusion on this argument, then that's going to help you on all the other types of questions, not just the weakened questions. Yeah. So dig into your mistakes. And I think people should maybe worry a little bit less about all this pattern analysis and just, just look at individual errors and try to sort them out. Yeah. She goes on, as for logic games, I just need to do some more work, exclamation point. Couldn't, couldn't disagree with that. I've recently bought Nathan's Logic Games playbook, and I wanted to say that I'm really enjoying it. I actually learned so much from it, and I like to see things where our approach was the same and when you do things in ways that I hadn't thought of before. Some other books are so formulaic in their approach that I think they're, they often miss better ways of doing things. In my opinion, Nathan's book and the Manhattan prep books are both better than the one, than the oh so revered logic games Bible from power score. Well, there you go. Did you just write that in Nathan? I, I see you did, editing yeah. here a little bit. So <laughs> I did. I totally, that is a hundred percent fiction. No, she, she did really say that. Um, yeah. 
So she goes on, so thanks for your book and your podcast, and I hope to be emailing you back sometime soon, saying I'm doing much better at Logic Games and all around, exclamation point. Thanks, and please don't be mean to me on the podcast. Oops, you probably should have read that. <laughs> said that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't think we were mean. We're, are we ever mean? I don't think we're mean. No, we're just, we're just conveying the truth, and that's the nicest thing yeah, well. anyone can do, right? yeah i don't know if we're ever mean it's just because we're we're trying to get a point across and i think we do it from a place of love although i really don't want to be i don't ever want to be mean um i don't know sometimes as a teacher you want to try to drive a point home i guess yeah i think it's all about like your mentality when you're trying to drive that point home, right? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it just to, to help them out? Yeah. Yeah. Which <clears throat> I don't know. I would like to think I'm not doing it for myself. <laughs> I, really, I mean, I, I'm successful if my students are successful, right? So I'm really, if, if, if I'm doing it, it's, I think it's because I want them to understand and to learn. I mean, I think you agree with me. I, all this shit is easy to me. And the reason why I like LSAT teaching so much is that I get to just explain a bunch of stuff that I understand forward and backward. Yeah. So, yeah, if, um, but I, I know, especially in the classroom, I, I know that sometimes in the classroom, I'm a bit of a dick, but I don't try to be, it's just, I can't help it. It's just who you are. Amazing. Just accept it. It's just, I'm just a dick. (laughs) Hey, do you ever watch Shark Tank? Uh, I have, I have, I'm familiar with it. Yes. You haven't, have you seen it before? Yeah, I've seen little bits of it. Mm-hmm. It's a little cheesy, but, um, I, I, like a year, well, no, about six months ago, I just like got in this shark tank kick and I just watched a bunch of shows once after another. And the, the guy in the middle, his name is Kevin. I think, um, sometimes they call him Mr. Wonderful, which is interesting, but, uh, he's kind of the same way. Like he's pretty direct with people like this business idea sucks and is horrible uh-huh. and everybody else, you know, they kind of like, they like to say things like, well, I can see that you have a lot of passion for this and you're, uh, you're really trying to do yeah. it, but I just, it's just not right for me. And you know, that's just their, their mojo, I guess. And it's nice. And, and I tend to fall into that category a lot too, but, um, he, he does, uh, you know, give them good advice a lot of times, I think. Like, just stop yeah. stop doing this. You're wasting your time. And it's kind of like the thoughts that we all have, but you don't want to yeah. crush someone's dream because they've just been, like, investing so much of their life into whatever it is they're trying to yeah. create. I think that's the feedback sandwich, right? Like, if you're going to give somebody some um, negative or constructive uh, criticism yeah. that you're supposed to, like, wrap it in a, a, a layer of, bullshit basically where you tell them oh but this was really good Mm -hmm. now this you could work on oh but this other thing was really good yeah i don't i guess maybe i could do that but i I, especially i'm the same way as an editor like if you ask me to read your personal statement which i really hope you do i will um i will only ever give you the constructive feedback i'm not going to blow smoke up your ass and tell you that things are good if if i don't mention it then you can just go ahead and assume it's fine. But I'm going to, the things that are going to jump out to me are all the things that could be improved. And you asked me for your help and I'm trying to be efficient in delivering that help. So 
when I give you edits, it's going to basically be, Hey, here are all of the things that I would fix. Yeah. And if you can't stomach that, then you probably don't want me to read your, your personal statement because I'm not going to just like lie to you about all the things that are good, or I'm not going to like go looking for reasons to give you compliments. We're trying to make this thing better. So I don't need to tell you all the things that are good. That said, if you get a compliment from me, it means that it was like noticeably good. Yeah. <laughs> I like really liked it. It's really good. And it actually means something. If I say something like, Oh yeah, I loved this part. That means I loved that part. It doesn't mean I'm looking for some like excuse to give you a compliment. I don't know. I, again, I'm a dick and I probably should do the whole feedback sandwich, but um, I don't. Okay. Next email. Hey guys, love the show because you two are awesome. I'm starting to near where I want to be for the next test, which unfortunately is over two months away. Do you have any thoughts on maintaining test readiness? Do one's skills diminish if not practiced regularly? If so, what do you recommend for, at the very least, maintaining my level of performance uh, this far out? Many thanks, Peter. Uh, Okay, so Peter is in an unusual position of being completely and totally ready two months before the test. Um. I always feel like people get to the point where they want to get, and then they say, oh, now I'm going to shoot for a few more points. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so it seems like a never-ending process. But um, wow, that's great. I don't think it's that hard to maintain test readiness. You just have to take 35-minute uh, sections um, every now and then. Uh, most people would want to take them every day, but Peter, if you're really where you want to be, then I don't think you need to do it that often. Just do it uh, when you have time, maybe every other day or every two or three days. Uh, check in with the test by taking a time section, reviewing it, and um, seeing how things go. And if things start to go south, then that's your little monitor telling you maybe you need to pay attention more when you're doing these sections or take things a little more seriously or maybe you're not as far along as you thought you were or something like that. Yeah, totally. One test a week, I think would be enough. Actually, I think that would be probably more than enough. Mm -hmm. One, if you're ready, I think one test a week. So that's like a section every other day. Um, I think is totally plenty. Now, assuming you're, you're actually still reviewing your mistakes, you might as well, you you know, might as well try to pick up another couple of points, I would say. So, um, Whatever questions you're missing, I think you should still be digging in and trying to figure out why you made those mistakes. But to maintain, this is true for all the people that are retaking. Like if you were happy with your practice test scores going into the test, but now you have to wait three more months before the next test and you want to maintain, I think, yeah, one test a week or even really almost like one test every other week would be, I think, plenty to keep sharp. Sure. And then just if you're doing it every other week or whatever, then maybe the last three weeks you do it every week, whatever, you know, like easy. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's that hard to stay <clears throat> sharp. When you have a lot of time, it's just a good problem to have. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, cause our ideal prep program is like, well, you should probably have like three or four months to prep anyway. Yeah. And then start doing one section every single day. Mm-hmm until you get your scores where you want them. And then when you do, then probably you can tone it down to a section every other day or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Next email. Yeah. So this is uh, from Adam and he says that 
This is obviously about the June LSAT. That RC was a bitch. Okay, whoa. Games were easy, as you just pointed out, Nathan. But that is not why I'm emailing you. I listened to your prepped podcast on the way to the testing center. Wow, someone actually did it. And spit my coffee out onto my dashboard when you mentioned the person with the most pencils. Why? I was that guy. I took and sharpened 10 of them from my office on the Friday before the test. (laughs) I panicked a bit when I heard the podcast. I was driving and thinking, what am I going to do? Now everyone is going to be looking at me and telling Nate and Ben that they're all and they're all making fun of me. <laughs> if only if only we had that much influence. Um, I'll tell you what I fucking did. Jeez, number 2. I embraced it. Thank you for all of the laughs and help with my prep. Hopefully I don't have to retake, but you guys definitely took the edge off and made it fun. Sincerely, Adam, the guy with the pencils. Dude, that is the best <laughs> response. Own it. If you're going to take that many pencils, and actually 10 is not that bad. If you're going to take pencils and just take a ton of them and make everybody feel stupid for not being prepared as you are. (laughs) (laughs) 10 pencils is at least seven more than can even reasonably be justified. There is no reason to bring more than No, no. You you bring the 10 pencils to be a good Samaritan for the the poor oh, yeah, soul that... who's panicking in the corner and like, oh, I didn't know I had to bring pencils. Here, have a few. That's of mine. true. That's true. That's actually a good. That is very nice. So yeah, and uh, no, I I do like the uh, the adjustment there to just like get a laugh out of it and go, oh, <laughs> yep, I'm that guy. But he recognized it, and uh, yeah, maybe that like uh, deflated the anxiety bubble a little bit. Dude, that so... is the key to happiness. Yeah. Don't be all things to all people just um accept the reality right pretty much all of us are average in 90 percent of what we do we're only awesome in <laughs> yeah. a few things if that so yeah yeah absolutely so he realized that he's the guy who brings too many pencils and he just said fine i'm that guy that's cool <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening adam thanks for the note that uh, made us both chuckle that's awesome um, hi, Nathan event. First of all, thank you so much for doing all you do and creating the thinking else that podcast. Uh, I've only recently found your show, but I've listened to probably 15 to 20 episodes in the past two weeks alone. That's 80 nice. to go, buddy. Yeah, totally. I find myself either really thinking about the things you say or laughing out loud as I'm driving home from work, working out or wherever I'm able to listen. I know I've heard you guys read emails just like that a million times on the show, but it still stands. Well, thanks. I was emailing in because I have a question about the importance of location in choosing a law school. I apologize if you've addressed this in depth on the show. Feel free to direct me to the episode number and I'd be happy to have a listen. Yeah, but we're too lazy to do that. Yeah, it's going to be easier to answer your question than to find the previous episode. Absolutely. Um, We do have, you know, the whole archive uh, on thinkinglsat.com, though. And if you use the Google machines to search thinkinglsat.com, you probably would be able to find answers to lots of common questions. Um, The show notes, we I I looked back today and I realized that we didn't really have any timestamps in the show notes um, all the way up to at least like episode 45-ish or something. We didn't have any timestamps, but now we have timestamps and everything. So if you have a specific question and you want to see if we've addressed it, uh, do some searching on thinkinglsat.com and see what you come up with. Um, 
I originally come from the Midwest and went to school at Iowa State. I graduated in three years, but before my sophomore year of school, I had some pretty serious family issues and my GPA took the hit. I went from a 3.67 to a 2.73. Yikes. I know. I ended up graduating with a 3.25 cumulative. So my first question, assuming I write an addendum to explain my lower GPA, do you think it's necessary or helpful to include that I graduated in three years total, which means I lost a year of time that I could have improved my GPA? I plan on explaining my subpar GPA, but wasn't sure how much detail I should go into. That's the first question. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would mention it. I wouldn't make a big deal of it because you're also going to start raising questions like, well, why did you take three years? Why not take four? Um, so I would, I would just mention it like as a side note, that's not really the point of your addendum. And then the point of your addendum should be why, I mean, you said you took, you had some pretty serious family issues. The problem with this, this phrase is that I feel like it's overused today. Like you wouldn't believe how many people have family issues and that becomes an excuse for not going to work for whatever and so at least when i see that it's not that i don't believe you and i don't believe that those issues might be very serious but i feel like you're gonna have to add some more details otherwise it just sounds like a potential cop-out um sure lawyers like evidence and it sounds like that sounds kind of conclusory, like a magic words, like, oh, well, yeah, family issues, you know, stand back. And yeah. So, I mean, I also wouldn't like overshare too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think maybe there's a line you can, you can kind of thread that needle and try to come up with something a little more helpful without oversharing and explain some of those family issues. I do think that I like the three years total. That's a fact. Uh, it's a differentiating factor because not too many people do that. It, I think you could probably easily justify it by your family issues. I mean, even if it's not true, like, well, because of these issues, whatever they are, I was supporting myself and I really needed to get into the workforce. So I graduated in three years. Sure. Um, you know, but I think I could have gotten my GPA back up to that 3.6 if I would have taken another year of school. I just couldn't because of whatever. Um, I don't know. That's not a bad argument to make. Uh, Okay, second question. As for my second question, how much does geography really matter in choosing a law school uh, with an emphasis on employment prospects in the area? Additionally, where would you rank it in terms of the most important things to consider when choosing a law school? I know Nathan's going to say, don't pay for law school. Don't even go to law school. But after that consideration, where would you place uh, the location geography issue? Uh, Location matters more uh, the lower ranked the school becomes. So for the top 14 or so, location doesn't matter as much. I mean, it still matters. You're moving there. You're going to start creating a life there. Chances are... It matters for personal reasons a lot. matters for personal reasons. It also matters for... um, Unless you're talking about Harvard, Yale, Stanford, you know, those three people are still going to be drawn more to the school that's local than a similarly ranked, highly ranked school from far away. I mean, if you look at law firms in D.C., 
they're pulling a lot of people from Georgetown and even GW, even though GW is not in the top 14. So location does play a big role in where people hire. Yeah, in D.C., you're going to think Georgetown is better than Berkeley. And in the Bay Area, you're going to think that Berkeley is better than Georgetown. Yep. Or even if it's not those exact two schools, sure. y- you could make that similar uh, comparison all over the place, right? I mean, on yeah. the East Coast, they think Harvard's better than Stanford. And on the West Coast, they think Stanford's better than Harvard. That's probably a better example. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does matter. But like Ben said, the big, big ones... Um, and that actually includes Georgetown and Berkeley. Mm-hmm. You can get jobs all over the country with those schools and it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, he goes on to say though, my end goal is Boston. Um, which, well, if you really, if your end goal is Boston, then I would have a pretty strong preference to going to law school in Boston. You're going to, sure. it's the beginning of your legal career. Yeah. I mean, all the connections that you make, not only professors, but your like internships and uh, whatever summer clerkships and um, your colleagues and everything that you do while you're there, you, you know, you break up with your girlfriend and marry some new girl from law school. Cause that happens. Um, all that shit is going to be related to the school you went to and the, the city you were living in while you were going to school. Yeah. So uh, I would, I, and and Boston has plenty of schools. Um, goes on to say the law schools in Boston go from Harvard three, BU twenty three, BC twenty six, Northeastern sixty five, down to Suffolk one forty, and below. I'm using the U.S. rankings here. I hate them as much as you guys do, but I'm not sure how else to rank them. Well, for one thing, we could use the above the law rankings instead, right? Yep. That we've decided are better. Okay. Anyway. Um, I have a lot of family that went to Harvard, but not enough for them to sacrifice my GPA, uh, lowering their numbers by accepting me as a candidate. I So he's not going to be like nepotism at Harvard. I would really like to get into Northeastern, which is only 65th ranked, but also not sure if I will have the numbers for that. My first LSAT practice without any studying was a 159. Whoa, he's going to do fine. I mean... <sighs> Yeah, three point. Well, I mean, maybe they really care about grades at Northeastern, but with a 159 first practice test with no studying means that you really are a great candidate to reach one not, uh, 70. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think Northeastern's turning down a lot of people with a 170. I no, I'd be surprised. <laughs> I don't know. Well, plus, and it's his GPA has an explanation, so I think they're going to yeah. look at. Well, they're really going to believe his explanation of his GPA, too, when he shows up with his 170. Yep. Um, basically, I want to know if you guys think it would be worth going to a lesser ranked school in order to end up in the city I ultimately want to be in. And, you know, the thing he's the thing he's forgetting there is that when you go to a lesser ranked school, you also likely end up with scholarship money. Yeah. So now you can actually trade down in law school rankings, which we've decided we don't give a shit about law school rankings, or at least not as much as you know a lot of people do. Well, especially if he takes a look at above the law and sees where Northeastern and yeah. BU, BC rank. Maybe they're doing much better than these numbers suggest because their employment yeah. records are good. 
Yeah, somebody should make a um, spreadsheet. I mean, this probably exists, but I'm not going to do it. And I don't think you're going to do it, Ben. I think somebody needs to make a spreadsheet of the U.S. news rankings minus the, uh, or sorry, the the above the law rankings minus the U.S. news rankings. Wait, no, the other way around. U.S. Sorry. Wait, I'd uh, add them together and divide by two. Just average them. Nah. Well, I was going to say because people use the U.S. news rankings more than they use the above the law rankings. I think okay. U.S. news rankings are so well known. Sure. What I was going to say was if you look at like the delta between those two. Oh, that you might be able to find some hidden, hidden gems. gems. Yes. <laughs> so I was going to say the same right? thing when you said that. That's funny. Like if Northeastern is ranked 35th on the above the law. Yeah. And now we have 65 on US News minus 35 on above the law. And then Northeastern gets this delta of 30. And that might put it on the hidden gem. It might be a pearl yeah. instead of a turd. <laughs> a pearl instead of a turd. It's basically, uh, I mean, we're not actually talking about money here because all law schools cost the same ridiculous unfortunate amount but in essence it's it's uh, underpriced because with well, the lower ranking yeah. you're probably going to have a better chance at getting a scholarship and so real That's money I, is yeah. here exactly with the lower u.s news ranking is what you're talking about yeah, because yeah. more people pay more attention to those u.s news rankings so if you find something that is higher ranked on the above the law rankings and lower ranked on the u.s news that would seem, as Ben says, like a good target for uh, uh, scholarship. Here, hunting. this is actually something we got to do. So we take, we do your Delta plan. We we take the yeah. above the law. We yeah. um, subtract uh, the other way around. Other we way, sorry, US so news US News report. We subtract the, the uh, above the law. We look yep. for, and then we sort them. And then you have yeah, we rank them. Yeah, <laughs> and that's called the uh, pearl versus turd. Law school rankings. Yeah. <laughs> or pearl in the turd. How about that? You're searching for the pearl in the turd. It's like a needle in the haystack, except for instead you're searching for a pearl in the turd. Pearl in the turd. Also, Pitt for short. So, Pitt law school <laughs> rankings coming to you from not exactly the Thinking LSAT, but in a Thinking LSAT listener who is kind enough to do the heavy lifting for us. You're going to be the new MVP of the, you'll be the MVP of July. If you do this, so whoever out there wants to do it, yeah. uh, we will uh, be happy to see those and we'll talk about them on the show and post them to the website. Yeah. So thanks in advance for whoever's going to do that. Um, okay. Any advice on the topic would be helpful. Thank you so much. Sincerely, Sam. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate. We've talked about this a lot. I'm a big advocate of trading down in the rankings and living where you want to live slash getting money. So it, it does depend, of course, on what you really want to do. D- we didn't hear this from Sam, did we? Like what Sam wants to do? Yeah. Big law or something like that. Yeah. If Sam's like, hey, I really want to make $180,000 straight out of law school. Well, I mean, that's just not happening a whole hell of a lot if you go to Northeastern. Yeah. So if if that's your ultimate dream goal is to make a shit ton of money, then you probably do have to go to you know a school, the highest ranked school you can possibly get into. You need to totally kill it on grades and you're going to have a miserable life, but good for you. Good for Um, you. (laughs) Well, that's, there's some people that are just that crazy. Like I know plenty of those people. Some of my best friends are that crazy. I would have a miserable life if I tried to do that to myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would just, Sam needs to be, you know, clear about what, uh, 
what his goals are here. Yeah. Um, P.S. I left you guys a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for that, Sam. And I was shocked that there were people who gave you one star. Probably just a Kaplan prep teacher angry that you guys exposed them. <laughs> oh, I remember when Sam said this, I was like, wait, what? And I went back and it was, uh, there was a one star from a long time ago when we first started. Someone said yeah. they complained that we, um, we speculate too much or something. <laughs> Our audience loves that shit. Otherwise they would not be listening. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We, we probably sold the podcast to you in the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, you know, haters going to hate, so you could give us one star review. No problem. I'm, I'm just happy you're talking about us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is one thing that listeners can really do to help us out. Right. Yeah. Um, go to iTunes, hit the five stars. If you write something even better, um, of course, tell a friend, uh, if you've got an email list of your pre-law society that you subscribe to, I know a lot of those email lists, um, they'll kind of send announcements out to the whole list without really looking at them that much. Yeah. And if you wanted to just, uh, write a nice little, uh, a couple sentences about the podcast and put a link and you know, if you can get that distributed out to your campus distribution list, that would be awesome because that would really help us to spread the word. And in addition, you could also do all the social media shit that I don't really understand. So yeah, if you want to put it on the Snapchats and the Instagrams and all that shit, that would be good too. Yeah. Got time for one more. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, hi, Nathan. I started listening to the podcast a few weeks ago. The advice in regards to the LSAT and law school application process has been very helpful. I have a question about the contents of my LOR, letters of recommendation. Yeah, and he, so, I, sorry, I, I, this, I gotta, I've read through this and thought about it a little bit. This one, I don't know why it was mailed to me because he starts talking about if you talk about it on the podcast. So that's why I put it on the agenda. Um, this is, he's not actually talking about letter of recommendation. He's actually talking about his personal statement. So oh, that's okay. what he means here when he says, oh, he meant a uh, personal statement. Okay. So he has a question about the contents of his personal statement. Got it. I was involved in a terrible near death accident three years ago on my way home from work. Wow. After a flat, after a flatlined a few times. Whoa. I. Oh, after yeah. I. I wasn't ready for flatlining. So I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even process that. After, yeah. after I flatlined a few times in the ER, ER, the trauma surgeon saved my life by using a machine that is intended for heart transplants. It was literally a last ditch experiment. It saved my life. Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't literally a last ditch experiment. <laughs> uh, you, you, what do you? It was what, figuratively a last ditch experiment. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, okay, it was a last ditch experiment. Yes. Okay. Anyways, proceed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You almost died, and now I'm mocking you. But anyways, yeah. Go Way ahead. to go, Nathan. It saved yep. my life. Wow, we've never had an email like this. this is amazing. Um, That's why I put it on the agenda. It's yeah. awesome. In this accident, I broke both. Uh, what? What is that? Clavicles. Clavicles? I don't even know what. what yeah, are that's your like right on your, uh, like below your, uh, below your neck, right in the front there. Those two bones, those two bones that stick out at the top of your. Uh, I'm feeling right, them right, right now. Above your, above your pecs. Above those your, are your pecs. clavicles. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So then yeah. they they connect into your the that that curvy one that goes around onto your shoulder. 
they connect into your like breastbone in the middle, right? Oh. At the top of your ribs. But I think the clavicles are just like those two bones that stick out up at the top of your top of your chest, like below your neck, I think. Okay, cool. Sounds shitty is what it sounds like. Yeah, that does not sound good. I'd prefer not to break both of my clavicles. Yeah. Both orbitals, my nose, all of all of my ribs. Holy cow. Yeah. How many ribs do we have? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Like twenty four or something? Yeah. Okay, definitely an even number, I think. Both lungs collapsed. Jeez, Louise, this is like this is a, this is, almost seems made up. My kidneys failed, so I was on dialysis for two months. My left hip was completely shattered. Jeez, the bone fragments tore through my intestines. Some of my intestines were removed. Um, what, we should. Have- You're really gonna say intestines? Wait, what? What do you say? I would go intestines on that, dude intestines for sure <laughs> okay no you're right all right you i think you're right yeah you're right i just, <laughs> that's i guess i've been saying it wrong my whole life um, i bet you're saying it like uh i bet it i bet in, I say it like um, that? great britain in med school i bet they say intestines hey i'm very smart i'm from britain that's not a british <laughs> that is not even close to a british accent i don't think <laughs> all right i gotta keep my right. my my focus on the lsat um yeah Okay, my intestines. Yeah, I think that's actually what I say. I don't know why I said yeah. intestines. I'm just, right. I'm just reading. Okay, so yeah. um, uh, you threw me off. The one thing I was thinking here, by the way, is we should have had like a disclaimer before reading this. You know, some of this may content may be disturbing to some listeners. It is pretty horrifying. Yeah, yeah. this is intense. If you're driving your car right now, yeah, don't think about <laughs> think this. about driving a little safer because this is the type of shit that's going to happen if you don't slow down and let that jerk in. Um, yeah, even though zipper merging is more effective. Some of my yeah, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, totally. We've yeah. talked about zipper merging. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, some of my okay. intestines uh, were removed. Oof! One of the Oof. fragments missed the artery in my hip by a millimeter. My left hip had to be reconstructed with metal plates, pins, and screws. This surgery was so long and traumatic that there was a 75% chance I would not live through it because of how weak my heart was. If the surgery had not been done at that time, the bones would have started to set and I would have been restricted to a wheelchair the rest of my life. Wow. Okay, he continues. Or she. I suffered a very serious traumatic brain injury in the accident. I was able to overcome this and return to work 15 months later. I've now been back for almost two years. Fortunately, I've had no mental complications from my TBI. Um, TBI. Oh, traumatic. Traumatic brain injury. injury got it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have done some practice LSATs and have scored quite well. Cool. Do you think it would be a bad idea to include the fact that I do have a TBI? I wrote my letter about how I overcame such a traumatic experience and how it changed my outlook on life. Hmm. I don't th- I, I I'm just going to answer that question right now. If your LSAT score is good, I don't think they're going to care about your TBI. So, uh yeah, mm-hmm. um at the same time it may not necessarily advance your application in any way. Um, yeah. And I'm not worried about the TBI as much as I'm worried about TMI. Yeah. You know what yeah, I, mean? I agree. Like, Oh, like, and by the way, <laughs> <laughs> this is like over, it's a little bit oversharing here. Um, you know, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I get it. And, and I, I, I'm glad that, that, uh, this redacted listener is sharing a lot with us cause they, you know, genuinely want 
um, our thoughts, but boy, if you put all this out there, just in a personal statement, even everything you've said up to before we get to the traumatic brain injury, it's already so much and so horrifying that I just don't know how adding in the traumatic brain injury really adds anything to your case. Yeah. You already have every one of your ribs broken and both lungs collapsed and all dialysis and everything else. I I just don't know that you need the TBI, I think is now too much. I I don't, (laughs) I'm I'm having a hard time seeing how it helps. Yeah, I agree. I I like, I like the fact that you said TMI. The TBI is TMI, but, um, you know, now that we're talking about this, one thing that I would be really interested in, and I would, I would like to know what this person, what redacted ended up writing in his or her personal statement. Um, there's all this stuff that happened and this horrible stuff and holy cow. I mean, this is one thing to live through, but I'm actually more interested in how you felt about it. And I'm, I'm hoping that's what your personal statement is about. But uh, the fact that you lived through it is incredible and, um, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that you made it and I'm glad that you're, you've worked through it and come back to work and stuff, but how, how do you feel about it? How does, do you, do you feel like you see the world differently or is it just, this is shit happens and Hey, this is what happened to me. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, was there something that came from this? It would be interesting to know. Um, or just yeah, what I, you I might mean, convey. So he says, yeah, he says he wrote his personal letter about how he overcame how he overcame such a traumatic experience and how it changed my outlook on life. So, oh, apparently I don't I think, remember that. <laughs> yeah, I I just think well because we got to caught up on the oh, TBI yeah, yeah. or whatever. But I I I do I do think that sure, why not? I think you could totally write a successful personal statement um, about your crazy traumatic accident that you had and. Um, yeah, I, I would just maybe not include so much of the horrifying details. And one thing to remember is that you're supposed to be putting your best foot forward. Everyone else is talking themselves up. And if you just go on and on and on about all the shit that broke down in this accident, you that's not none of that is helping your case, really. I mean, you, you can only use that as a setup for... And here's where I went with it. And here's what I'm doing now. Yeah. And you have to make yourself look like you're going to be a kick-ass lawyer because if this didn't make you into a kick-ass lawyer, then they don't give a shit. They're not letting you in because of sympathy for your crazy accident you had. Yeah. So yeah, you do have to like sell it in the end of, and this is important because otherwise you're just oversharing like horrifying details and not really helping yourself at all yeah okay uh redacted goes on before you say it i am set on going to law school my father was a lawyer so i understand how much work goes into school and the profession i want to accomplish more with my life i can always come back to my current job i want to give this a shot as i have learned it can all be over today money is not everything in life thanks in advance yeah wow Okay. Well, I don't have anything else to say to that. Yeah, I, I think it sounds fine. Um, 
I would be careful about oversharing on too many of the crazy details. I just can't imagine that you need to talk about the traumatic brain injury. I can just, even if it like, not everybody is going to react negatively to that, but why would you take the chance that someone's going to go, wait, whoops, wait a minute, traumatic brain injury. Like if you were a borderline case anyway, as far as like your numbers are concerned. Yeah. Like if they're not thrilled about your LSAT yeah, and now you're telling them that, well, I have a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Then they're going to be like, Ooh, I'm sorry, but I'm a little worried that you're not going to be able to cut it in law school. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can't actually do that for a, ADA reasons, but well, they'd never say that they do, do that. that. Exactly. They, right. They They'll just do it. Just not admit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, that's great that you have some perspective, uh, about life and I'm sure it was a powerful moving experience and yeah, I think you can write a personal statement that will make that sing. Great. Well, I'm sorry. I got to hop off here pretty soon, but, um, I just would want to give one last pitch for the uh, the pit, the pit rankings, which are the pearls in a turd rankings that hopefully someone <laughs> will come up with. You just take the U.S. News and World Report rankings, you subtract them from the above the law rankings, and then you sort them from uh, highest to lowest, right? to see which ones have the biggest like disparity and thus the hidden gems or hidden. Yeah. And then ideally you format it onto a web page so that we don't have to do that part. Yeah. And then we could just link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of posting it on our own website. So you'll actually get credit for it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Hopefully we'll be able to report back on that sometime soon. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Remember you can go to thinkinglsat.com slash blog slash subscribe. If you'd like to get a newsletter every time we publish a new episode, of course, you can also, uh, just subscribe to us on iTunes or the Apple podcast app or Stitcher or whatever podcast app you use. And it'll get put directly into your feed every time we serve up a new episode. Um, Thank you very much for listening. That's 100 episodes in the in the bank. Literally. I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally in the bank. Uh, good times. Okay, beautiful. Thanks, Ben. Um, I will talk to you. Let's see, where will I? Well, we're going to have to talk about scheduling because I'm flying back to the States next week. But uh, boy, we still got this email backlog to get through. Or Yeah, we got at least a few of them. So I don't know. If you want to do it a little earlier next week, we could um, move it up in the schedule and I could talk to you from Italy, which is where I'm going next. Okay. Yeah, maybe, I'm going back maybe Monday or something. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll see if we can make it work. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time.